0: So anyway, we're back and looking at the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so we should do that. We should have a series like this and remember that the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit. And on this last, most important evening really of Jesus' earthly ministry and his earthly life and his precious time with his disciples, he has spent this whole evening in that upper room, talking about the vitally important Holy Spirit. And tonight we're looking at how that Holy Spirit helps us in so many ways. And I I really just want to home in on four verses, really, because Jesus here, in these words, he kind of sets out a preacher's dream, in a sense, uh, because he's providing... A three-point sermon outline for me to walk you through. In fact, one verse does the job. Here it is in verse 8. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. There you are. Now you know what the sermon is. I'm not sure if it's a preacher's dream or a preacher's nightmare to preach about sin and righteousness and judgment you may be sitting there and thinking I wonder if I've left something on the stove that needs my urgent attention and then Jesus goes on in the other three verses to unpack uh, that a little bit in these three verses and he says of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more uh, no more, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I do often think, when uh, we, we read things like this, where Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and Him coming, how hard that must have been for those disciples that night and in those those days, for the disciples to be told that Jesus was going and that his replacement, the Holy Spirit, the substitute, was coming to replace him and be with them instead of him. And they had these three years with him. They'd grown to love him, follow him. He was, they were 100% into him, and now he's telling them that he's going. And they wouldn't have understood that. Uh, in fact, when we think about the disciples through the Gospels, there was quite a lot that they didn't understand. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that, when we read through the Gospels, we see that when Jesus talked to his disciples, very often they were puzzled by the things that he had to say. They would be perplexed. They couldn't figure him out. They couldn't work out what he meant sometimes when uh, he gave his parables. They would argue among themselves about what, what he was trying to say. They were full of questions. They disputed with one another among themselves of which of them was going to do the things that Jesus was talking about. They're competing with each other for first place. They weren't really very good. They did not understand. But what what we see in Scripture after the Gospels is that on and after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, when they were filled... With the Holy Spirit, they became clearly changed, strengthened, encouraged, ready to face all the challenges with a determination. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for all of us. When he comes, he always brings change. Always and always for the better. Come back to that in a minute, but let's have a look at this three-pointer. A bit of a sermonette, really. I'm not going to go on too long but here's Jesus first point um, about sin he says when the Holy Spirit comes he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin because they do not believe in me we all sin you more than me I'm sure but we all sin to one degree or another and, and there are varying degrees in our sinfulness Some people are more sinful than others and we know about the extremes, um, murder and abuse and corruption and so on. Far worse than you and me. But God's forgiveness, as we know, can overcome the darkest sin, the worst crime. Psalm 103 reminds us that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. With the Holy Spirit... Anything's possible if we believe. But listen to this. Let me read you a couple of verses. The first one really familiar to you. You'll all know it. Um, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know that. And then a couple of verses later, maybe not quite so well known, but... Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So I think we need to say something about this unbelief, but it's what we already know of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has not been sent into the world to deal with this problem this lack of belief, this unbelief. The Holy Spirit hasn't been sent into the world to deal with that. Back in verse 7, Jesus told his frightened disciples, he told them that it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, the Holy Spirit hasn't been sent out there into the world. He has been sent to us. And we have him. And he helps us. And he equips us. He encourages us. He goes into the world with us. Here's Jesus again, a couple of chapters ago, but still in that upper room, still on that same subject, John 14. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him. It neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. See, here's the thing. If we believe, and we know this, if we believe the Holy Spirit is in us, all of us, and it's our job, all of us, to go into the world, starting with those we love and our neighbours, and on and out and so on. That's always been the case. That's what we have to do. That's the commission, isn't it? And we all know that. And if for the last 2,000 years, the church and all our predecessors, and you and me, if we hadn't spoken about Jesus, if everybody left it to someone else, if we hadn't told others about our experiences, what Jesus has done for us, what he means to us, what has happened to us, how prominent would the name of Jesus be today? If we hadn't spoken, and if people hadn't been speaking for those last 2,000 years, I wonder if that bothers you at all. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? You feel it's something actually you would struggle to do. Listen again to Jesus speaking to his disciples in Matthew 10. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's the way it works, and that is our commission, not just for vicars and evangelists. It's us, isn't it? To go into the world with the Holy Spirit for company and for assurance, to point people to Jesus and talk about sins, talk about our sin, their sin, maybe... And to talk about forgiveness. We, we, every one of us who has made a commitment to Jesus, who's accepted Him, we all of us have a story to tell. A vitally important story to tell. We've got people to tell it to. All of us. And maybe we need to get going on that. And the Holy Spirit is here to help us, to give us the courage to talk about Jesus and to talk about sin and forgiveness and when we do this with the help of the Holy Spirit anything can happen anything can happen so let me say a word about righteousness because when he comes says Jesus he will prove the world to be in the wrong about righteousness because I go to my father and you will see me no more. What what do you understand about righteousness? Righteousness. Are you righteous yourselves? Are you quite righteous? Would you give yourself good marks out of ten for your righteousness? Are you more righteous than me? Are you more righteous than the person you're sitting next to? If we examine ourselves or compare ourselves to one another, we are most certainly on the wrong track. Paul the Apostle, when he's writing to the Ephesians, the Philippians, he explains it better than I can. So I'm going to leave it to him in chapter 3 to the Philippians, and I'm just going to add a little bit every so often. This is Paul saying, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day righteous of the people of Israel righteous of the tribe of Benjamin righteous a Hebrew of Hebrews righteous in regard to the law a Pharisee very righteous as for zeal persecuting the church you don't get more righteous than that and as for righteousness based on the law faultless But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, all that other stuff that comes from the law, but that which is through faith, in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. We sometimes sing that lovely song, we often sing that lovely song, Cornerstone, which begins with these words, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And it ends with these words, when he shall come with trumpet sound and may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne so when we become Christians it all begins for us right then right there to live forever but more than that we take on Jesus righteousness which replaces our sinfulness which makes us acceptable to God in whose company we will spend eternity. It's not us. It's his righteousness. If you think, well, that's, that's too difficult to take on board. That's too, I, don't, I can't get that. I think really that's the point. It's almost beyond our imagination that God could be that forgiving, that accepting, that willing to spend his eternity with the likes of me. But it's not just me. It's the Holy Spirit in me, it's Christ in me he's gone to the Father, he says you will see me no more, but his righteousness is in each one of us let me just take you back to that great example of these disciples for a moment if you go forward a couple of pages from this upper room, just a few hours later Peter is cowering and he's frightened. And uh, he, Jesus has been taken from him and from the rest of the disciples. And people are looking at Peter, who finds himself kind of alone, really, and got the company of all his friends at this moment. And he denies, he even knows Jesus. Because he's just worried for his, his own skin. Three times he says that he doesn't know him. And we've seen Peter going back through the Gospels. He's not perfect. He sometimes would be a bit of a buffoon, I think, at times. And he would open his mouth without engaging his brain, as they say. He would just, just blurt something out. It wasn't always right. It was quite often wrong. I think Jesus found him difficult at times. The other disciples may have found him difficult at times. There was the bit in the boat, wasn't there, where he got out and then... He lost his confidence. Go forward then, a few pages, to Acts 2. And to this day, Pentecost Day, the Holy Spirit descends on Peter and the other disciples and immediately they are visibly and dramatically changed. Immediately. As soon as the Holy Spirit comes, Peter stands up, and preaches a cracker to thousands of people full of confidence convincing them convincing those that were gathered around him that they effectively nailed Jesus to a cross they killed him he points the finger he's brave to do that he's transformed and he's speaking now as the leader that he's going to become so what happened then he he preaches that and and so did what happened to the people they they heckle him did they ridicule him did they wander off these thousands no they are gripped by what they see and hear thousands became Christians what must we do they had said what must we do great sermon And right then and there, the church began. On the previous page, he was just Peter. You and me. But now he's Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, you and me. Full of the Holy Spirit. And it really showed, it made such a difference in all of them. Full of the righteousness of Jesus. And it's that same Holy Spirit that was in them, is in us now, today, Tonight, The same righteousness of Jesus. And anything can happen with you and me and the Holy Spirit in us. Anything can happen. One more thing then. Because we really do need to talk about judgment briefly. Briefly. When he comes, says Jesus, in verse 11 of that piece, he will prove to the world... To be wrong about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So, let me state the obvious then. The prince of this world is Satan. We know that. And he is condemned. He has been judged. Um, if you read it, you can see that's past tense. It's happened. It's not going to happen sometime in the future. It's happened that Sunday morning that Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rose up from his tomb that moment Satan was condemned he was a loser he had lost and for him there was no coming back no appeal no pardon, no clemency no mercy he was a goner and he hangs around Satan, the loser He hangs around being a nuisance to those who aren't Christians but his power over you and me has gone. I don't know if you accept or believe that but his power over you and me has gone. It's a matter of interest. Um, My my favourite verse in the Bible is Psalm 46 and verse 10. One or two people I've known for years and years would know that because I talk about it a lot. And I've got things at home. I've got that verse on it: "Be still and know that I am God." Mugs, keyrings, bookmarks, pictures with the, with the script on. It's wonderful! I do love that. It was given to me in a very special way. I won't go on about that now. But but in the giving of that verse to me 40 years ago was very much of the, the Holy Spirit. And I always think, when I think about it, it's my comfort blanket in life, really. Be still and know that I am God. I find it so helpful in in, in all all circumstances. So when I'm feeling anything but wonderful, I'm feeling a bit low and a bit worried, anxious, whatever, tired, I just can sense in that verse God's arms around me and he just says to me, be still and know that I am God. That's lovely. But there's another way of looking at it, and maybe some of you have. It's only just recently that I thought about the other way of looking at it. Because when you look at Psalm 46, it's very much on a sort of a battleground sort of psalm, really. And I'm still there, cowering. I'm still down. And he wraps his arms around me. And I can see my mind just looking and pointing at Satan, who is over there. And he's saying to him, Be still and know that I am God. And I think that is where Satan is. He is just under God's rule. He's finished. He is powerless with you and with me. Remember Romans 8, verse 1. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are in the clear. We are free of condemnation. Jesus has taken the rap. Satan is doomed. He's done for. Isaiah 53 reminds us hundreds of years before Jesus came that he was pierced for our transgressions and the Holy Spirit living in us wants us to live in the good of that. We've got nothing to fear at all. On the day of judgment maybe there's going to be a long queue of people. People with loads and loads of baggage suitcases full of stuff undealt sin undealt with sin and they will be miserable and they will be full of trepidation I don't like really to think about it but we all of us who are Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit who are forgiven we will be in the queue that says nothing to declare Nothing to declare. We'll just go marching through and there will be a separation. We know that. And so the message that we must pass on with the help of the Holy Spirit is just that. It's all about that. We are not better than you, world at large, but we have discovered Jesus and our sin has been dealt with and we are safe. And the Holy Spirit who is God lives in us helping to share us to share our vitally important experience our story. And when we recognise that when we recognise the Holy Spirit in us when we involve him in our lives and in getting that message out anything can happen. Let's pray. Our loving God